What's going on, people? It's your boy Kalechi back with another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. How are y'all doing today? How's your week been? How's life going? I hope y'all are doing well. I hope y'all are doing real good. Hope y'all are doing better than you expect to do. How's another way of saying that? I'm trying to figure out other ways of saying, how y'all doing? I keep setting the same intro and I'm trying to think, what is another way that I can put this? How are you? I hope you are okay. I hope you are doing very well with your life. I hope life is treating you as sweet as it can. I hope you are making lemonade out of all the lemons that you are getting from life. I don't know why I went into that. <laughs> How y'all doing? I hope y'all are doing good. We got so much to get into. We got so much to get into. We got issues regarding the stock market because of coronavirus. And coronavirus is going crazy. COVID is just entering people's houses and doesn't want to get out. It's just invading and just it's just poisonous to everybody. And we got a bunch of interesting news from the from the world of the business world around and some of the things that is going on that I just feel we should talk about. But the first thing we want to start off talking about is something that I find very interesting. And that is the fact that Warren Buffett just released his annual letter. Now, if you don't know who Warren Buffett is, first of all, how do you not know who Warren Buffett is? That dude, just so you dude is a genius. Dude is the closest thing we have to a sage in the world of business. Like the dude does not miss when it comes to stock markets. Like the world around stops on a dime. Once Warren Buffett says, let's talk about this thing. Or once he comes out and says anything about any company, about any stock, people stop to listen. The dude is literally EF Hutton. If you don't know who EF Hutton is, that's Anyway, I don't even know who E.F. Hutton is, in, in all honesty. It's just because Stephen A. on First Take always be saying, that guy's like E.F. Hutton. When he talks, we all stop to listen. And if you don't know what First Take is, First Take is a sports show that I listen to or watch. I don't watch it as much anymore, but at one point in time, I used to watch it a lot. And Stephen A. would always say, I stop and listen to that man like he is E.F. Hutton. Everything he says, I just soak it in because he's so whatever. But anyway, the fact is Warren Buffett is one of those dudes that when he talks, you listen because the dude has just had unbelievable insight when it comes to the stock market. He's just done unbelievable things when it comes to like trading, how he has invested, how he has developed his company, how he has built his company and just the way he lives his life. It just it's something that everyone tries to do like. Dude still drives. I don't know if he still does today, but the last time he still drove like a 2004 Ford Focus because he was just a simple dude. Still lives in the same house that he has lived in since however long, even though the dude is like worth billions on billions on billions of dollars. But he still lives a simple life. Dude is just so simple. He's so key. He's so chill. Like, so whenever he says anything, the whole business world hits the pause button and they say, what did Warren Buffett just say? I mean, people around the world go to see him for business advice. Presidents, um, uh, people trying to start new businesses, entrepreneurs, like all kinds of leaders of this world go to see this guy to get advice from him because he is just that like, just that in depth with the things that he shares. And every year he releases an annual letter 
Usually it's focused more about his business and his investment company and how it's been doing. And by the way, the name of his investment company is Berkshire Hathaway. It's also it's also a uh, real real estate company as well. But anyway, the main point is it's an investment company and they have an investing fund. And every year he releases annual notes talking about how the, the fund has been doing, some of the things that he's noticing in the market, some of the things that hasn't worked out as well as he expected it to work out for him, and some of the things that he's looking forward to working out better for him in the future. This year, it was no different. He talked about the same things. However, the tone of this message, usually whenever he writes a letter, whenever he like sends out one of those annual letters, it's kind of like old man wisdom. Like, it was, you know how like you get around your grandparents or some old people and all they do is just like, son, sit down next to me. And they just give you those one liners like, the, you know, the I'm just going to go into Nigerian this thing. It's like, you know why the rabbit was never able to beat the tortoise? Sometimes it is better to be slow and steady and win the race. You know, those kind of advice that you just be getting from... <laughs> From your grandparents or from older generation where they just sit you down for a few minutes and they just talk to you and just share some of the wisdom that they've acquired from life because they've lived life from so long. Or they just go into that one of those back in my day type story and they just tell you about some of the things that they've experienced and stuff that you can learn from. Basically, that's been the tone. It's been a lot of old folk tales whenever he talks in his annual letters. It's always interesting to read. It's always has wonderful one-liners, which we will talk about at the end. But in this one, however, it sounded less of old man wisdom and a whole lot more, more of granddad grumblings. You know when the old man starts grumbling, ah, these kids nowadays, they don't even know what they're doing. Look at them on my lawn. Get off my lawn. You know, that kind of thing. It was a lot more of those signs, a lot more of those tones that came out of his, um, out of his annual letter this year versus any other year. But the key takeaway from his letter is that he didn't see a lot of good companies to invest in. Why does that matter? That's important because... For any business, and especially for an investing firm, a firm that is focused mainly on investing, not having anywhere to spend your money is a problem. So much so that he spent last year, they spent $2.2 billion in buying by the stocks of the company. And basically just saying, you know what, there's nobody to invest in, so we'll just invest in ourselves and take ownership back for ourselves. Like we talked about in the past where Apple was doing the same thing last year, where a lot of companies were giving out new bonds because they were just like, you know what, there's nowhere for us to put this money. The market is kind of turpsy-turvy, so you know what, we'll just buy back shares, we'll just buy back stocks for the company and just rehash ourselves and gain more control from the shareholders and gain more control from the public who can end up determining some factors and they want to have the controlling factors. So they buy back a lot of those. This is a problem because Berthauer Hathaway has about $128 billion that is just sitting. In other words, it's not making money for them. One of the worst things for a business is they don't just want money to just sit. They don't just want money to just be in a bank somewhere doing nothing for them, which is an advice to everybody else. Don't just have a savings account with all your money inside. No. What are you doing? Looking at the, um, the money every day. Get that money to do something for you. Invest that money in something so that it can work for you. Don't just have, except for your emergency fund, minus the emergency fund. Don't just have money just sitting. Let that money do something for you. Let that money be invested. You know, 
put that money into something so he can invest for you. And that's the same thing for businesses. That's one of the complaints that people had on Google, had against Apple. And it was like, look, y'all have all this cash surplus that you can invest by buying other companies or by invest by inventing something new. Like y'all should be using that money for something. And it's the same thing that Berth Howard Hathaway is saying. They're saying, look, there is or Warren Buffett is saying, look, there's no good companies for me to invest in right now. And it is a similar sentiment that we've been talking about. It just shows that in the wide scheme of things, when you look at the wide grandiose scheme of things, and you got to think about this as well. Berkshire Hathaway invests in a wide range of companies. It invests in companies like Coca-Cola to railroad companies to companies like Apple. It invests in everything. So in the fact that it's looking in the grand scheme of things and saying there's no company for us to really invest in. It's just the same thing we've been saying. The companies like Uber, like Lyft, like WeWork, those companies, nobody really wants to invest in them right now. Investors are kind of very trepidatious about investing in those kind of companies that don't show an amplitude of success, don't show an amplitude of being able to create revenue of of some sort, of being able to create some kind of excuse me, some kind of profit at the end of the, at the end of the tunnel. And so somebody like Warren Buffett, who is very big on seeing the long-term future of a company and seeing how this company is going to, or what this company is going to become in the long term, him's coming out and saying, you know what? We just decided we weren't going to spend any money because if I spent my money, it would have been a waste of time in investing in any of these companies or in any of the companies that is available right now. So we decided just to keep our money for us. That is a huge, that is a massive sign for everyone that's in the investing world. That's a massive thing for everyone to hear from everyone in the in the business world, to hear him come out and say something like that. But on other notes, the Berkshire Hathaway returns were not as good as they have been in previous years. So usually, if we've talked about funds and we've talked about different investment funds, one of the best investment funds you can do is the Berkshire Hathaway fund where it has annually year over year for the last 10 years has done double what the S&P 500 has done which the S&P 500 is a very good investment fund as well but Berkshire Hathaway has done double what it has done on its returns for all the investors however last year though S&P 500 did 30 percent which a lot of people were celebrating about me being one of them and last year Berkshire Hathaway only did 11% investment returns. So when you compare it, that's a problem. That's that's also why he had a lot of grumbling tones, had a lot of regretful tones in his in his letter because last year was a hit was a miss, not a hit for them. And so it is something to look forward to. Part of that is he didn't invest his money as much as he would have liked. He couldn't really spend it in any company that he trusted to actually see any kind of growth potential. But as we talked about, the old man Buffett always has some dope one-liners. So let's talk about some of the one-liners on mergers. When, you know, we talked about mergers, a lot of companies are doing mergers. He said, he said, I've concluded that acquisitions are similar to marriage. Sometimes wonderful, the new union delivers bliss beyond either party's hopes. In other cases, disillusionment is swift. Another quotable on sticking things, sticking to the things you're good at. This is a very good, um, this is a very good advice to everybody. If I were ever scheduled to appear on Dancing with the Stars, 
I would immediately seek refuge in the witness protection program. We are all duds at one thing or another. Know thyself, Sun Tzu. I just love his quotables. Old people quotables are just so profound. Like when you sit next to an old person and some of the things that they say, it's just so profound and it always carries such weight. Their words always carry such weight, which is so important for every one of us. If you're under the age of whatever and an older generation person is talking to you and trying to give you some advice, listen to them. Listen to them. Listen to them because they have something that you don't. It's called experience. It's called life. They've lived it. You're just starting. You're not as wise as you think you are, especially to all my super young folks out there. If you're under the age of or if you're as old as I am, 25 or younger, we need because one of the things that they say, they say youth is wasted on the young and wisdom is wasted on the old because at that point they're about to die. And then youth, you no longer have your strength to be able to implement the things that, I mean, when you're old, you no longer have the strength to implement the wisdoms that you pick up throughout the years. The only way you can do it is by listening to other people who have been through the situations, who have been through the trying times, who have been through the trials before you ever were born. So listen to the older generations. They have so much to share. There's so much within them that they can impart upon you. So don't just close your ear and be like, blah, 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 oh, grumpy old man, this and that. No, listen. Listen to the things that they can teach you. You can grow so much from just spending some time listening to those who have gone gone before you. Oh, and another note on why Warren Buffett is just awesome. Warren Buffett finally got a smartphone. It is the year 2019. He finally got a smartphone. And the only reason he got a smartphone is because he finally acquired 5.6% stake in Apple and got himself an iPhone 11. Because why not invest in the thing that you already own? I don't know. There's a lesson in there somewhere. There's a lesson in there somewhere. I don't know what that lesson is yet, but there's a lesson in there somewhere. The dude kept his flip phone for however long until he invested in Apple. There's some there's some kind of left lesson in there. I don't know what it is, but there's a lesson in there. Warren Buffett is like everybody's favorite grandfather in the business world because he just says whatever comes to his mind. I mean, one of his quotes was like, I still eat a McDonald's... Um, a McDonald's, what's, the, what's the, the burger thing that everybody goes to McDonald's? I don't even know what it is. Mickey D, I don't even know what that burger is, but he says he eats one at least one a day and still drinks a can of Coke a day. So he's, he's just like, he's a sage. Some of his stuff is a miss, but most of the time he hits. Moving on from there, let's go back to COVID. Remember COVID, COVID-19, you know, the coronavirus, it ain't gone nowhere. It's still doing its damage. It's still it's still very much doing damage everywhere. Last week, we talked about the effects that it had on Japan. Well, let's talk about the effects it's had on a couple other countries. So in Italy, its major carnival event, which was scheduled for the weekend that just passed, was canceled because of the COVID virus. They determined or they found that there were 130 people that were in, infected with the COVID virus or with coronavirus, with COVID-19. That number is a massive spike when originally the number was thought to be only 10 people infected. Also, they had to cancel a bunch of public uh, public events, ranging from sports shows to operas. And if you know anything about Venice, if you know anything about uh, Italy, they love their opera shows. They love their events. They love those things. And to be to have to cancel your 
the, your key carnival event where people are dressing up and traveling from all over the world to come to that one spot, that's a lot of money that's gone. That's a lot of money that is affecting. And we're starting to see the effects of the coronavirus go into other areas. It's affecting tourism of a lot of countries that de depend on tourism. Speaking of tourism, let's talk about France. France gets about 8% of its GDP from tourism. Coronavirus has affected tourism so much that it has dropped 40% in the last month due to the coronavirus. 40%. That's a massive hit that they have experienced. So we're starting, like I said, when this thing first came out or this ruling case first came out, we're going to see a global effect of the coronavirus. Not just It's not just going to be contained in China. It's not just going to be contained in South Korea or in Japan or in France or Italy. It's going to have a global effect everywhere. Everyone is going to see some kind of issue, some kind of hit by this coronavirus situation. Now, the worst news of everything that came out about the coronavirus, the worst part about it is, and again, we're going back to China. China supplies the world with almost everything. And the and this part, it makes it even worse. China is also a major supplier for a ton of ingredients used in over 150 different types of medications, ranging from antibiotics to your over-the-counter medicine and to even prescription medications. So thinking about like just how much that can affect, in other words, now the CDC or I mean the FDA is coming out and saying that there might be a drug shortage, that we might have a drug shortage because they're not able to get the ingredients, the supply chains that they've relied on for years to get ingredients from China, to get ingredients to the United States to make some of the drugs that they make. All of a sudden that supply chain is getting jacked up. Like manufacturers have been talking about how theirs have been getting jacked up. Think about Apple. Think about car companies talking about how they are not getting the parts that they need to be able to keep manufacturing going. All of these things are starting to play out. All the things that nobody wanted to think about, nobody wanted to deal with, nobody thought could happen is now starting to play out. The other thing is airlines have canceled over 200,000 flights because of the coronavirus, which in turn has affected the prices of the oil market, has affected the gas price. I don't know about y'all, but I've been looking outside. They keep talking about the oil and gas market is going down, but... Gas prices ain't dropped that much for me, oh. I haven't seen that drop. I mean, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's supposed to drop, but I haven't seen that drop. Part of that is due to the fact that the the OPEC uh, group has come together to try and increase prices because demand is low, and the only way you can balance that out is by increasing price. But, I mean, I don't want price to go up. Just, I want price to go the other way. Please, help us. Help us. Help us. But anyway, and... In revenue, airline companies have lost about $29 billion in revenue at this point of this year. This is by a study done by IATA. Now, the worst part about this, which it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Remember when I said that it's not just going to be contained in one region of the world or it's just going to stay in one side of the world? Well, the CDC just came out and the CDC said, that the coronavirus is something to be taken seriously and it's on the level of a pandemic. They have said that we need to start planning seriously about how it can affect the United States of America. Now, why I'm bringing that up and telling you how important that is is because the White House, the Trump administration came out and said the very opposite. The stupidest thing that you could have said right after the CDC just came out and said, that, look, this might, this is a pandemic. Freaking the Trump administration come out, came out and was like, 
Uh, this is a quote, a quote from the White House economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, came out and said, we have contained this. I won't say airtight, but it's pretty close to airtight when speaking about the coronavirus. What? What are you talking about? Like, what? Like, what? Like, just... I mean, I understood why he came out to say it because he didn't want the stock market to keep crashing or to keep doing the to keep doing the dab and just pointing its head downwards and downwards and downwards. I understand it, but be realistic. The stock market was already reacting to the news that the CDC already put out. If you noticed, I don't know if anybody keeps track of the stock market, but that thing has been in the red. I mean, the S&P 500 has lost $1.5 trillion in the last few days because of the news concerning the, 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 concerning the coronavirus. So for you to come out and talk about how you have it contained, when new countries are talking about how they're finding new cases, the number of people who are dying from the coronavirus is increasing every single day, the number of people that are infected with the coronavirus is, keeps increasing in different countries, and then you come out and say that you have it under control, my God! what are you talking about do you even know what you're talking about right now like i know i understand you want to control the way people are reacting to the news you don't want a pandemic on your hand you don't want people to freak out too much on your hand you want to keep the economy in a steady state and all that stuff but dude this is not how you do that this ain't it you don't do that by coming out and being like oh Everything is under control. We have it contained because we are America. Like, wh what? What? Like, bro, come on, man. Come on. That's just... It's just... And then the other... And then I was reading an article and Donald Trump is upset about how the, the stock market is crashing. Like, dude, shut up. <laughs> like, what? The stock market... People don't control the stock market actively. They do the best thing that they see that is best for them. In other words, when companies see that the... That companies are not going to be able to meet their revenues, guess what? They're going to move their money, investment money, from being in stocks that are not going to make a profit into safer bets like bond, the bond market, like uh, utilities, like we've talked about before. They're going to do that. And so when they do that, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, all of those are going to start going in the red. They're going to start thanking because people are going to be selling their stocks rather than buying stocks. In other words, that's going to happen. Everybody expected that to happen. But yeah, we have the White House coming out and talking about we have this situation under control. Like, come on, dog. Come on. You smarter than that. You 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 just you you smarter than that. Anyway, moving on from that. The last news I have of the day is talking about how everyone is moving their money out of um, in, investing in companies in the S&P 500 that can give them good returns and selling those stocks and putting their money into bonds and putting their money into safer stocks. And speaking of that, there's something in the business world called the yield curve. And the yield curve recently just got inverted. So your question is, what exactly is the yield curve? Well, good question. The yield cur curve compares interest rates of bonds at different maturity dates. The yield curve gives an idea of future interest rate changes and economic activity. Your follow-up question is, so it inverted. What does that mean? Well, an inverted yield curve occurs when long-term yields, in other words, when you forecast towards the future, like 10 years, 20 years, 30-year yields, 
is lower than short-term yields. That should never happen. Long-term, when you look to the future, it should look like the future is brighter than what today is. That shouldn't happen, but that just happened. Your next question is, your next question should be, now that you know all of that, what new curve actually inverted? The U.S. Treasury yield curve inverted comparing the thir- three-month yield, uh, three-month return when compared to the 10-year 10 10-year 10 return. Now, why is this important for us to even talk about or for you to even know about? Well, in the last 50 years, every time the yield curve has inverted, it has been the precursor to us having a recession. Remember that time, the beginning of this year, when, or late last year, when we kept on talking about how the U.S. is probably going to experience a recession and how economists and investors were really worried about an about the trade war that's going to lead to a recession, but then the trade war cooled down and everybody was happy and celebrating and we began this year and all the tones that everybody was singing, all the tones from the Federal Reserves and everybody, investors, economists, everybody was like, we're in a good place. Everything is doing good. Everything is looking great. We're doing good right now as an economy. Well, this has changed all of that, all of that. Now, the thing to know about the yield curve, yield curve inverting is like, this is not the first time. This always happens multiple times throughout the years. However, and it even happened in October. It happened a couple of times at the beginning of this year because as we've talked about, people keep investing in bonds because there's no good returns right now because of all the issues that we know is going on, especially with this coronavirus situation. And of course, with the whole trade war that happened, which is still going on, by the way, just side note, that's still happening. In case you thought it was dead, it's still going on. All of those things are still happening. So all, with all those factors, people were investing in bonds or putting their money in bonds. Like we've talked about multiple times, it's a safe bet. You can at least guarantee that you're going to get some kind of return when you invest in government bonds, mainly government bonds. So the difference this time is it has dropped lower than it's dropped in like the last 10 years since the last recession. Think about that. Again, we're referring back to when the housing crash happened in 2008, when everything was just turpsy-turvy, everything was upside down. Now, remember when we talked about how the Federal Reserve's last week was saying they're not going to touch the rates, that interest rates right now look good, the economy looks strong. I just talked about it a second ago. Well, they're singing a completely different tune right now. Their tune is, and there's a bet going on right now in Wall Street and in different business, business outlets and they're saying that in other for the economy to stay where it is, the Federal Reserve is probably more than likely going to cut interest rates again at some point this year because of all the effects and all the things that are going on. Now, remember when we talked about the, the Federal Reserve cutting interest rates, what was one of the problems that they, they were afraid of that if they had to act in, in the favor of the economy, if they had to act and do something to be beneficial for the economy, that the only weapon they had is the interest rate. And if they have to cut it to a point where it's so low, then inflation, which is supposed to be going up, has refused to go up. At some point, they won't have anything to do and they're just going to have to take the L and the economy is just going to have to tank. And the problem is we're getting we're getting closer and closer and closer to that reality where the Federal Reserve will not have the opportunity and not have the ammo or the weaponry to be able to counteract the negative effects of things going on in the economy. So all we can hope for right now, 
not just in the U.S., but in the world all around, is that one, the coronavirus is contained by the end of March. That it's contained by the end of March, and then by the end of April, it's able. To, we're starting to see results of people less and less people suffering or dying from the coronavirus. Not just because of business stuff. First of all, that's that's needed as well. But for general, I just don't want people to be dying from this ailment anymore. But more importantly, that it is contained because in the business world, if it's not contained by that time, we're gonna see a massive hit on the world's GDP as a whole. So anyway, that's all I got for y'all as much as, as as far as some main topics, but I got some interesting news. This one was an article I read and I just found it interesting. I read it on the Washington Post. A study was done by the Manhattan Research Institute. We've talked about the Manhattan Research Institute before. They found that a typical male worker's annual income no longer covers a family of four's major expenditure. Housing help which is housing, healthcare, transportation, and college. When you look at the time period from 1985 to 2018, it took a third of a working man's salary to be able to cover everything for his family. People keep using inflation to justify the fact that cost of living hasn't really increased that much, but that's not true. If you look at families today, it takes two parents working in a household most of the time for a family to be able to survive for the most part. That's why we're looking at a lot of families in the United States and people are just suffering. And the reason for that is healthcare is more expensive than it's ever been before. Two, education is a boatload more expensive than it's ever been before. And so with those two aspects, kicking things up, increasing just how much people have to spend in order to survive, the man working is not able to provide everything for his family anymore. And then finally, this one I found interesting. CEO Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, just stepped down and he's no longer the CEO of Disney. Why this is big news is because he has been instrumental in completely changing the way Disney does business. He became CEO in 2005 and Disney has completely changed. In that spread of, think about this, in that time frame, Disney acquired Marvel, Disney acquired 21st Century Fox, Disney acquired Star Wars, and all these things are important because these are the things that are carrying Disney. Think about it. These are the things that made Disney what Disney is today. Disney also uh, invested more in streaming and all the different things that he did while he was on the throne. So it's a big deal when he came out and was like, yo, by the way, I'm retiring, guys. Peace out. It's also a big deal because everybody's expectation was he was going to retire next year. Now, more importantly, is the fact that he's not actually leaving like most CEOs. No CEO that leaves on on a good note actually just leaves and exits the company. Most of the time, they leave, but they just become the chairman of the board, which is exactly what he's doing. He's becoming the chairman of the board of Disney. In other words, he's going to be overlooking a bunch of other things like Hulu and that stuff. So he was over a lot of stuff. And so seeing somebody of that echelon on that level leave puts people, you know, the business world kind of gets worried a little bit because he was instrumental. He he just did a lot of things to completely change the world, change the way Disney did business. And not just for Disney, but he affected so many other companies because of the way he was. I mean, he's on the board for Apple. He's on the board for multiple other companies. And just the way he, he just went about doing the way he does things was just instrumental in changing Disney. But anyway, 
So next time when you're with people and people are like talking about Disney, you'd be like, did you know that the CEO of Bob Iger is stepping down? And they'll be like, why does that matter? And you can be like, he's what created all the Marvel movies that you see today. And then you'd be like, mm-hmm, yes, I know something. And, you, and I'll be like, mm-hmm, yes, I taught you something today. So share that news. Share this podcast with other people so they can learn new things too. But anyway, it's been your boy, Kalechi. And I'll hit y'all up on the next one. But for now, that's all I got. God bless y'all. Peace.